if what you're doing is not a grift, it's going to succeed eventually. And if your relationship with God is strong, if you can attest to the things that you believe in through your works, then it's going to work out. No one can take that away from you because that's not theirs to take. All right, what's up, everybody? This is Other Life. I am Justin Murphy. I just wanted to let you know that I write a free newsletter to thousands of people every week. It's where I publish my best work. I share events that you can come to and much more. We have an insane private community around the newsletter and it's free. Go check it out. Just go to otherlife.co. That's otherlife.co. When you subscribe, I'm going to send you a folder of PDFs that contain all of my personal highlights from a bunch of my favorite books that I've read over the years. So you'll get a million insights after just a few minutes of browsing these PDFs, really. They're really special to me and I just figured I'd share them with you all. So that's otherlife.co, otherlife.co. So first question I got to ask, y'all rolled up to the Urbit meetup last week, about <laughs> about eight about eight deep, yeah. almost all of you wearing like black trench coats and shit, <laughs> except you, Vincent, yeah. you were the one person wearing a white shirt. I got to ask, I was just curious, was that purposeful? Is that because you're the leader? What kind of, what kind, <laughs> what kind of symbology, uh, what kind of symbology does this crew have going on? Uh, the white sweater was just because I like that sweater. Okay. Um, it's something that I just made using a little dog that I drew, and it's cute. That's it. I just like the sweater. But in a sea of all black, everyone's wearing completely all black. You know, I didn't. There must have been some some discussion, some self consciousness yeah. around the the one person wearing the white shirt. I think it was just it was just chance. We didn't really discuss like coordinating like how we were gonna look going into it. We just wear black mostly. So I think. I kind of, that was my bad, honestly. I should have anticipated yeah. that one would roll up wearing black. We just like wearing black. That was totally a coincidence. <laughs> well, you made a killer impression. And yeah. honestly, it was uh, immediately the reason I wanted to get you folks on the podcast. Anyone that rolls eight deep and shows up wearing all black trench coats, I was like, these people have swag. There's something interesting <laughs> going on here. I think, yeah, we were going for like the suave look. I think that's it. Just everyone's got like their own little personal style. We just like black in general. So. That was more. Black's a great color. Yeah. Right on. Okay. I was just curious if there was like some cult leader <laughs> shit going on here. No, or what. that was an accident. No, no, no. Okay. Okay. No worries. Yeah. Just curious. Hey, we just we like got it again shirt. here today. Yeah. I also just like this shirt. Also. Yeah. It's just our, our leader always wears white because we have a leader too. <laughs> True. Okay. Yeah. I'm the only white pilled one. <laughs> okay. Okay. So y'all are uh, N Project. You're an art and music collective. You just moved on to Urbit. That's how we got connected because you, like I just said, you showed up to the Urbit meetup here in Austin uh, last week and yeah, I got to know you a little bit, learned about your project, and I think you folks have some interesting ideas, and you have some interesting perspective that brings you to Urbit. You also have some interesting lore uh, in the in the Houston music scene, and Vincent, you had an interesting experience with the music industry being signed to, to Universal Records for quite a while. You have some interesting stories there. And yeah, I want to kind of just share with the audience, you know, the, the part of the cultural world that you all represent, uh, how you're thinking about Urbit, what brings you to Urbit. And just how the contemporary culture industry looks to young, you know, movers and shakers like like you folks. So that's kind of what I'm thinking we'll talk about. Why don't we start by I would love, Vincent, if you would, to kind of give some of the story of your background, because you say you're not the leader, but I get the vibe. You're kind of one of the ringleaders in an informal way. Uh, and I think that's partially because you have a uh, kind of history in music. You were, as I said before, signed to Universal Records for many years. Uh, and actually, for a little bit of time, you had... Uh, a very well-known band. Uh, tell, tell us about that story. Just just give us the TLDR so the audience knows yeah. what we're talking about. I mean, well-known in like the respective scene of like metalcore, which in and of itself is not that well-known, but I digress. Um, yeah, so 
Um, I signed with Universal when I was like 20, 21. I was still in college. Um, I was doing pre-med. And I was just starry-eyed to know like, oh my God, this huge label is taking interest in my little fucking local band. Wow, like this is crazy. This is life-changing. So I signed the deal without too much apprehension. And, you know, we had a la- we had a lawyer review it. So And he said, oh yeah, this is a good deal, whatever. And I didn't think much about it because it's universal, you know? like, And that was their first metal label in the States. So to me, it was like, okay, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to be the band on Universal in the metal label that they have. But what actually ended up happening was we weren't really, um, like, our ideas weren't really given the proper attention nor, like, support that I thought they deserved. And a lot of it, honestly, it kind of relates back to, like, what we're trying to do with End Project. A lot of it had to do with engaging with the fans and building a community, utilizing things that at the time were primitive, but I thought were better offerings than social media. Like I was using like PHP forms, for example, to um, kind of like consolidate all of our fans off of social media and onto our own little thing. I made like little uh, web chat rooms, like IRC type shit, but integrated them on websites that I thought would be really cool. And our label was just like, yeah, it's whatever, fuck it. Like, where's the next record? You know, where are these songs, when are these songs coming? And like, that's not to say that we didn't have any success at all. Like, you know, we did tours with bigger bands. Like, I don't know if you know, like POD, for example. I don't, but I'm out of loop. (laughs) I'm a boomer. Yeah, yeah. Like, we just, we did, you know, some significant tours in that genre for what it's worth. And um, so it was cool. Got on the radio, got reviewed or whatever by the needle drop anthony fantano i have my own opinions about that but it's whatever give us your opinions about that i think he's not the worst critic but he is you know at his core just a critic and i think given a platform like that he has so much power to do so much more for young independent creators and he's not doing shit he's just you know if he's not if he's not putting you on he's tearing you down and someone with all that power and all that influence should be able to cultivate more than just what he's doing and honestly like i disagree with a lot of his politics and i feel like that that informs like the way he goes about reviewing and critiquing music and he was not very charitable to your band no right? actually surprisingly he loved the music really yeah. same yeah. way so he, how did he review you and uh what, what how did yeah, that go so down? he um i don't i don't know how it happened i think he just like just chanced upon our music because we had fans that were just like harassing him. Like, this is your band called dark Dark, complex, dark complex. Yeah. And he was just being harassed by our fans constantly. And then they were just like, listen to it, listen to it. And he was like, all right, fine. I'll listen to it. And he was like, yeah, you know, new metal is not really in. And like, I had my little phase with new metal, but this is a solid record. If this were 1999, I'd be at Ozfest in the mosh pit, which is cool. Like, you know, it is what it is. And then he followed me and like, we talked for a little bit, but you know, over time he got kind of cringe with his political takes and I just, I don't know. I feel like that kind of informs the way he handles DIY creatives and just the way that he kind of like neglects his position of power and authority in this industry. That's already so fragile, but yeah, so there's that. And then we also, um, you know, we were like in a movie that was on Lionsgate. It was like a very brief clip in that movie, but it paid us like decently. Um, And yeah, like it was a thing for a while, but eventually we kind of garnered hatred because we got to a point in our career where like people started paying more attention to us and then you get the haters and then you get like, there's this one, um, music reviewing body called, uh, stereo gum and stereo gum is like pitchfork, but I guess like not as cool. Um, 
I guess, yeah, like, I don't know how, to, how else to describe them. They're just like a less cool pitchfork, which in and of itself is not fucking cool. But um, they were talking about how their headline was literally worst new band in America. <laughs> and it was crazy because the article didn't have anything to do with the actual music. It was just like describing us as people and then describing like that we rapped or whatever on like metal tracks and like, Oh, new metal sucks. Here they are doing new metal again. And it was just like, all right, man, like this is insane, but whatever we let it go. We actually screen printed the article onto t-shirts and we wore them to a festival. Okay. So basically you had all of this kind of, uh, groundswell of fandom. You had all of this kind of DIY attitude and cultural energy. You're making forms. You're, you know, making weird, interesting, creative shit on the internet as part of your larger musical cultural project. But basically, the vibe I'm getting from you is the the labels just couldn't understand this whatsoever. They weren't able to support it or facilitate it. Right. Is that what basically went down? Yeah, essentially. I mean, like past a certain point in the industry, like they literally only care if you're selling records or if you're not selling records. They don't sure. care. They don't care about supporting your enthusiasm in any other regard, whether it's beneficial to your marketing or whatnot. And like being someone that came from like 4chan, for example, like I wasn't used to being so grifty. Like I was used to being a non. I, I literally wore a mask in my band because I, I hid my identity. I hid my name. I did whatever I could to like prevent people from knowing who I was because I was just used to presenting myself in that way. Interesting. How long had you been on 4chan? <sighs> like since I was like... 14? Really? Like 15? Yeah, like I was on there for quite a while. And that, again, like that really shaped my worldview and like how I approached like the arts, for example. And so being now that I was like in a band and like my face was like in the music videos, like on stage. And I had to like, you know, assume this persona for people. It, it was hard for me to reconcile that with like my anon background. But again, like they just didn't get it. Like no one fucking right. understood that in the industry. And it really posed a lot of obstacles in terms of progression. Right. So you felt there was obviously this kind of institutional limit yeah. beyond which you could not really cross. Right. Right. And so what, when did you have the realization or the insight that, you're like, huh, shit, the future is independent. Like, how did, how did, how did you come to that realization or how did that go down? I mean, it was kind of like, like, um, it was multifaceted for sure. Like you see the advent of SoundCloud musicians really taking off, making like tons of money off streams and shit, just making music in their bedrooms. Was that really starting at the time that you were like yeah, hitting yeah. your glass ceiling? Yeah. It was around like 2015, 2016. Like we'd already kind of been like in the know on like the SoundCloud scene because we, we had friends that participated in it and like friends that produced for like X, XXX mm -hmm. Tentacion, if you mm -hmm. know who that is. Yeah. yeah, so like artists like that, like they were very close to the people that we were friends with and working with and like Raider Clan, like, and then you had like Sad Boys with Young Lean and shit. Yeah. And again, like it was so much more fun, so much more expressive, so much more liberated from whatever corporate interests and music industry bullshit that we had to face. So we were just like, damn, like we really fucked up. But it was too late at that point. And also like being in a band, you have a completely different industry that you have to adhere to as opposed to like independent rappers and like un underground like pop artists or whatever you want to call them. And so that set of problems and challenges that we were posed with just kind of you know, kind of woke me up to the realization that this was not something that would be viable in the long term. And if it were to be viable, the glass ceiling would still be so short right. that we wouldn't be able to breach it unless we made a lot of compromises in our artistic vision. And I just was not willing to do that. So it was around like 2016, 2017 when I had that revelation. Okay, fascinating. 
And so how did you ultimately connect up with this bigger group? Like, tell me, maybe Justin or Maria, if you want to chime in here now at this point, like, how, what, what were the uh, tributaries that all kind of flew into uh, End Project? Well, you know, I yeah, think, how did I, this come together? Yeah, I think first off, I should just say, because I literally, like, I was the one that started this, but it just came out of me and my friends, like, hanging out and, like, Justin was there, like, literally from day one. I was working on his band, Omerta, and we were just like, man, heavy music's been neutered. Like, a lot of these things just have completely lost their balls, and we want to say things that are dangerous, that are violent, that are exciting, that are, you know, a little fringe, but things that are more or less relevant and necessary. How do we go about doing this and not being beholden to the interests of people that are trying to limit what we can say and what we can express creatively? And so we made End Project as, like, a kind of, like, name, like, more or less, just to house these endeavors that we went on so for my solo music and then omerta and so on and so forth and it kind of bloomed into this thing where you know zorn justin zorn became more involved with what we we're doing omerta became more involved and i met maria and they can talk about that yeah sure so what were, what were your kind of pr- stories that led up to this i mean i've known vincent since 2013 i've just known him through the local scene in houston hardcore metalcore what have you and um I think I really started working with him. I was in a, my second band right for Emerita. Kind of, we just went over to his house recording and just met him through mutual friends, more or less. Um, I've been in Emerita twice. First, I was in Emerita around 2017 for a little bit. Then I left to finish my college degree. Came back mid-2019. We really just, at first, he was more so in a production role, but we slowly started working more in depth with him and more heavily, like, creatively with him rather than just like production right on and so is omerta like big or getting big or i mean i feel like we have a cult following for sure i think it's a bit more than a cult following really? yeah like i don't want to give too much away i think you know i think it's safe to say this right now um we're working with arguably one of the most if not the most significant like metal and like hardcore rock whatever you want to call it producer in the industry in history I would say so. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. So tell me how, how does that look to you? Because you just explained why you're all about independence, right? Yeah. So how do you think about these types of opportunities? Cause there are analogs in, in my area, for instance, of, of writing and book publishing, there, there's a kind of analogical structure and set of challenges and strategic considerations in many fields and many different creative fields right now. There's a similar kind of thing. It's like, do you go independent? You got a lot of benefits that way, or do you, you know, get picked up by some bigger traditional entity, then there are certain benefits that way. So obviously you're, you're all, you're super privy to the trade-offs involved. You all clearly think about this very hard. Um, So if you're talking with labels, like how do you think that's going to pan out? How do you think about that uh, moving forward? I mean, right now the music industry is in this certain structure where it's heavily dominated by what the bigger record labels say. And a lot of artists have to make the choice whether to stay independent or to conform to these music industry standards, record labels, what they have to say. Which and are more or less like deleterious to their success in the long run. Yeah. But they can get you a big boost at the beginning. It can. It can, but it most likely will not. So when you're having these conversations with, as you alluded to, big yeah. producers, what are you talking about? Like, what are the terms going to have to look like for you to be able to do that if you're, you know, so um, kind of red-pilled on, <laughs> on the independence movement? Yeah, so basically... Um, we went into this with the acknowledgement that we would not sign a deal because basically like what I had gone through and personally experienced was like a cautionary tale to inform me how to navigate starting a new project moving forward in any creative industry period. So for Omerta, it was like, all right, look guys, like y'all know what happened to me. 
fuck that shit. We're not doing that. But check this out. I think we can do this all on our own. Take the model that has been utilized by a lot of these like underground SoundCloud artists or whatever and apply them to what we're doing. And like in, in true punk spirit, the, the ethos of it really just comes down to like, if you can do it, the tools at your own, the tools at are at your disposal, fucking do it. Just do it yourself and just see how far you can take it. Yeah. The problem with the industry and any like industry creatively or otherwise is that glass ceiling, right? You can't breach it once you get to a certain point. But what I thought we could try doing was let's show them that we don't need them to do that. So I think a lot of that was like technology that had, had been um, developed like in more recent times that had not been yet developed back then. Like for me, when I started out doing music, bedroom producing was a lot more difficult. Um, but you know, nowadays it's super easy to get a super high quality production out. Um, and like, you know, obviously anyone in their fucking Photoshop torrent could be a crazy designer, illustrator, what have you. Like you don't have to have industry, uh, financial support in order to be able to create great works of art. But because other industry, like other genres were doing it, I was like, why couldn't a band? Why couldn't we do it? And by doing it and showing them we don't need them, and by leveraging the connections that I'd already made in my previous band, we were able to show them like, hey, fuck you. Like, if you want to work with us, pay us. Like, give us the opportunities that we want. Work on our terms, or there's no deal, and we don't need you anyway. <laughs> okay, I and love like, it. Love it. That interest developed over a period of time to where like now we've we've been getting sustained like label interest for like the past like year two years almost yeah and like these are big labels like big major labels nice so you're making them talk on your terms exactly and so this producer huge but he's working on our terms he actually believes very heavily in what we're trying to do and so does he know what the fuck urban is (laughs) you know we should urban pill him yeah we should that's coming that's coming i think uh yeah that's gonna happen very soon you were trying to get in here oh i was just gonna say that this new model kind of doing things on your own terms is more of a collaboration um type thing as opposed to the server um, yeah, as opposed to client server, we're thinking server exactly. server. We're thinking yeah. Urbit, Pure but apply to every single aspect of this industry. Nice, yeah. I love it. And so it's, it's still labelless. It's still like institutionless. You're just collaborating with someone who is a producer. Right. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about your background, Maria, because you're a graphic artist mostly. I think right. Uh, That's your kind of main. Yeah. Or no? Sorry, yeah, no, no, I don't no, mean to pigeonhole you. Visual, if you don't. visual artist. Like I don't even really care about that anymore. <laughs> like, oh really? Of a specific a specific term, um, but. Yeah, I'm I'm from I'm from Transylvania, Romania. Um, I had this whole I don't know, like kind of weird upbringing, like very religious, like Orthodox religious parents. I did not have the same journey with the internet as like Vincent or probably like any very like, trad American. Yeah, just my dad worked for like an IT company. I had like a pastor, like a, a parental control computer until I was like 14. Um, you know, the whole like rock music is satanic, that whole thing. Um, which is true. I mean, I mean, yes. But <laughs> the whole, um, the art thing started really, yeah. My mom got me graphics classes when I was when I was growing up and I always loved to draw. And when I hit like 16 and I really felt like my high school and I, I was doing computer science and, and maths intensive computer science. Like that was like my specialty in high school, like eight hours a week fucking like started with like Borland. It was like C, Python, like all that shit when you're like 14. Um, It really put me off like coding. Um, And then I switched to art school. And I found that in that little country where like 
all this like American culture was being brought in, like you know, after the revolution, like after '89, we got everything. Like all the media that you guys had here in the '90s, we got in the 2000s. So I have a lot of like boomer references to like a lot of a lot of like American really? like media. What? Like we got Fox Kids. <laughs> like, we, I don't know why we got Fox Kids. And when I was young, like these things weren't even like dubbed. I did not speak English. <laughs> like. Um, interesting. It was okay. it was a very very interesting way to look at things. I'm like I I know I don't have like an American American accent, but I speak American English because in school we're being thought British. But you get to choose if you want to like pick American or British, and then you just have to like learn the American. Okay, spelling so you're like okay, so you're like spelling. raised in the woods of Transylvania. How the Literally. heck do you get hooked up with all these people in America? Yeah, so off the internet, kind of. Um, and I I realized I wanted to do more like culturally relevant things. I'm kind of like from a small city. It's an important one, but it's like fucking small compared to anything you guys have here. Um, and I started doing like a film club. I was always interested in like media and philosophy, like the whole like esoteric shit that people got online. Like I got that from books. Like it's really so yeah. I, I, I got I read Foucault's Pendulum when I was like 13 and that just change my life okay. my mom is like a huge conspiracy theorist she's like she's always forwarding me like telegram like russian disinformation telegram <laughs> channel stuff like the whole like you know giants existed in like the the energy tunnels that connect the Carpathian mountains to like wow. the pyramids it's it's a whole i think Romanians are a little esoteric in general but okay. um yeah and I, I met people that were my age that wanted to do things um, and, and, you know, carve a space for themselves to do art and music and film, etc. And there was just nothing like the establishment was so, so overt. Um, and yeah, we got together and we started a film festival when we were 16 and it's still running now. I don't I have no idea who runs it now, but we did that when we were 16. We started a magazine, too. And there was a lot of support because it was cool to get like a bunch of teenagers just making stuff for teenagers like the film festival was a film festival for teenagers the magazine was the same thing like a cultural magazine done by teenagers um but yeah this was kind of like a dark time for me because after this I went to university in England um and that was like I wanted to escape to the west like I just wanted to get this over with and I had this like really weird like really like lip tart moment um, while I was there, I don't know how else to call it, like kind of like straining away from God, straining away from a lot of things. Um, because I, you know, you, you really grow up with this idea that the West is like where it's at and you, you just want to move on. Um, and yeah, a lot of the stuff that I work on now was informed from this and yeah. And so I, how, how, like concretely, how did you meet these people on a discord server or something? Literally. Yeah. Literally okay. That's what I figured. Yeah. yeah and, literally and, on a discord server. And they're like fly to America and join our art collective. It Not was, really. <laughs> it was like, I, maybe one day I'll be able to speak on this exact specifics of how we met, but it's this like insane, like cosmic alignment event that like, cause it's, it's such a far removed scene from anywhere that I was doing. And like, you know, like the whole like theory cell, like art ho shit that I was like on in Europe. <laughs> Like for my like liberal arts university, um, and yeah, we, we met, and it just it was crazy to meet people that I connected with so hard on a spiritual level. Like we believe in the same things, we have the same, uh, we want to see the same change brought about in the world. And this was at a time when I was feeling really constricted by my academic. Uh, environment we red pilled her basically you, you, <laughs> and that was you, when you, we that, helped red pill her. that was like what you, you year can. is that a huh. year ago but i would i wouldn't that's why that's why i'm saying like it's not right you did not red pill me okay um and we catalyzed you, it. it yeah it was a we catalyst. catalyzed. And where do you live now in america or uh right like okay so i i live in vienna oh right um that's where I, that's where i go to university right. but um yeah i'm here for like the next few months um i'm taking a semester off 
essentially. I only need to do my thesis and I'm done. Um, and I can stay here for six months, as my visa says. So okay, okay, we'll fascinating. Yeah. So, okay, um, you said a minute ago that rock music was satanic, and you both were like, yeah, totally. But, <laughs> but, you, but you are into metal music, so what's the difference between rock and metal when it comes to satanism? <clears throat> I mean, I'm kind of joking about that, but obviously, like, there are very clear connections between rock and satanic music, or satanic um, but a lot of people listen, like if, if a boomer but, parent listening to this would be like, no, metal is the same. It's just a satanic. Yeah, yeah. So what's no, the I think. I mean, I think it's true. I think people you know, like it's a reductive statement to make, obviously, but people like to evade that as if it's not true in any capacity, which is bullshit. I mean, like we listen to rock and metal and rap and whatnot that is very clearly trying to invoke some satanic shit into it. And like, are you Christian too? Um, I believe in God. And you're Orthodox. You're Eastern Orthodox. Are you Christian or? I, I feel like I have some level of spirituality, I'm but I'm confused. It doesn't matter. I'm just curious. Yeah. No, yeah, I, we all believe in God. Yeah, we yeah. all believe in God. And Project that's believes just, in God. It's just that's it, just at the core of what we believe. But I wouldn't. I don't and know Project if Project as a whole believes in God. Like that's a categorical yeah. statement. That's almost you necessary. Yeah. You really? have to be. This is like you take this for granted. Like everyone is just like, yeah, totally. Because I, I don't think how you can like I don't see how you could align with our values or anything we're trying to do. You wouldn't want to be Christian, right? It's not explicitly Christian. It's not explicitly Christian, but I feel like the Christian faith is probably closer to what a lot of us would um align with spiritually okay. but also like i mean you wouldn't want to be an end project if you didn't believe in god like you would hate being Why? around us because that's literally at the core of everything we do it's just completely faith driven so much of what we do is just informed by spirituality and just a belief in a relationship with god and what do you have faith in when it comes to art and and culture I mean, I I have I have uh, faith in my friends. Yeah, like from, so like, I get the faith? sense from you all that it's like very, you're very what Deleuze would call imminent, right? Like you, <laughs> it sounds like you only care, like you only care what's immediately around you. It's like your own little life world. Am I right that I sense this? It's like you, you seem like you both, or you've I talked with them more than you is why I say you both. But um, is this true of End Project as a whole that it's like, it seems like there's this vibe of being completely just setting sail from like the outside world it's just like you'll care about the, your friends and you fuck with who you fuck with and that's it basically it, it's more like um the only like trend I, I had this like thought process like a while ago and it's funny you brought up the list because i was in a in a 1000 plateaus discord <laughs> server and it was a fine line between me joining this server or me being going down that like the schizo de los route <laughs> so i think that was a that was pretty close but um i think true like true real true and real change right can only be uh, happening in like in your immediacy like in your community in your family and your day-to-day -day life and i think it's so fucking amazing that what we're trying to do in like our work um that we li it's literally us vibing with our friends and creating this little world and our lore and building and just pushing ourselves and seeing where how far we can go how a result of this is people seeing it as a model and people being able to take from that and apply it and that's how it spreads like we're not out here trying to save the world we're just following what we think is true and right yeah right and i mean why wouldn't i want to import that onto the world right totally I so this is this is really important i think and this this seems like it captures uh, part of the real essence of what you folks are doing and i think it's also very much the essence of the times right now like urbit you have this in common i think urbit is a similar kind of thing i think um it's almost like today 
if your goal is to make money and get clout, you're immediately going to suck and you're going to lose and you're not going to get money or clout. You're not going to make it. Whereas, where yeah, you're not going to make it. Whereas if you actually really just fuck with your friends and nothing else and you're just like super true to yourself and to your friends and you don't care about money or clout, ironically, that's the fastest way to get money and clout. Right. <laughs> Am I onto something here? No, right. Like if, <laughs> if what you're doing is not a grift, it's going to succeed eventually. It's going to like that's there's no way about it. And is that kind of a form of faith in a way? Yeah, because it's not guaranteed rationally. It's not like there's no scientific way really that you can prove that. But there does seem to be something in the universe where it's like that does seem true. Yeah, because you're informed by your faith. And if your relationship with God is strong, if you can attest to the things that you believe in through your works, then it's going to work out. It will. And no one can take that away from you because that's not theirs to take. Like, there's no way to fail at having fun with your friends. Yeah. And like, <laughs> right, there's no way to fail in pursuing what you love. There's no way to fail in like making a drawing because you want to make a drawing or making a song that you but like. What the yourself. skeptics would say, what the skeptics would say is they would say, yeah, sure, you can have fun with your friends, but you could also just go nowhere. You just have a small friend group of like 25 people, and that's the end of your creative life. That's all you ever achieve. And some the critics would say, that's a sad way. You should seek to be more uh, influential and build a, a larger empire. Yeah. Um, but we're, I think you're saying something different. And I, I think I think we all actually see very similarly on this because I immediately understand everything you're saying. In my, in my mental model, it's like there's this weird thing where if you actually really go all in on just what's immediately around you and you don't care about anything else, that's actually like the surest fire way to go to the top of society. 100%. <laughs> yeah, like if what you're doing is enacting change on a local level, whether you, um, whether you think of that in terms of like digitally or like physically, it's going to... It's going to spread outward. Once you get to a certain point, it's going to connect with other people on the network, and it's going to work out. If you go hard enough, right? That's right. kind of the thing. Is it's right. like if you, you have go to go hard enough. You have to really have faith in you and your friends and nothing else, and you need to put like your whole heart and soul into that. Because if you're hedging or you're holding back or you're kind of thinking you have one foot in, one foot out, then you're not going to win. Yeah. Courage right. is rewarded. And that's what yeah. that's what new metal is. Literally, this whole like don't care about anything else. You just do your thing. You just genre bend. You just do this thing that theoretically should not work. And in the model of the institution doesn't work, but it actually works in real life. Like it's not, it works onto the thing itself, not the image of the thing that people end up looking at. Right, right. So tell me about how you came to Urbit as a group. You know, how did how did End Project as a collective make this decision? You know, Urbit is something we should invest in. You re- basically recently have begun a migration away from your Discord server to Urbit. Just how did you think that through as a group and what made you do that? So, I mean, I I can probably speak on this more. Um, (laughs) Basically, like, I want to say a couple years ago, like, right when the pandemic hit, we started a Discord server for our little community. We had Omerta fans, we had Vincent Void fans, we had End Project fans, but they were all kind of, like, spread out across, like, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever. And we wanted to consolidate them in a community space where they could interact with each other and build cool shit. And I thought, okay, well, you know, as much as I want to make a PHP forum or, like, a little, like, IRC chat room, it's not going to work. Like, kids don't want to use that. It's too inaccessible to them. Discord seems to be where everyone's on, so I'll make a server and see if I can bring our community and consolidate them in one place like that. And it'll be fun. Like, it wasn't a grift. It was literally just how can we just hang out with people that want to hang out with us and that we want to hang out with. And it was cool. Like, it worked for, like, the past couple years and we got, like, a few hundred people on, like, 400 or so strong. But, like, I'd always known about 
Well, I hadn't always known. I'd known about Urbit for like a few years. <laughs> you, saw, you saw that coming? When you I, I, I knew about Urbit first, um, just knowing about like Curtis and like the things that he'd been involved with. But like, I always thought, okay, this is some gay tech nerdy shit and I'm not going to get involved in it, whatever. And at the time it was just like a command line and I was not interested in learning all that. But over time, obviously I was like, okay, Discord is not cutting it. When it shuts down, all of these kids are just suddenly offline and we can't talk to one another and they're back on Twitter or whatever. And like, we'd get complaints like, Oh my God, I've been on TikTok for like eight hours a day, da, 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 whatever. But then when you on discord, you're on discord on discord service for like eight hours a day. And it's insane. And I was just like, okay, there's gotta be something like better. There's, there's gotta be an alternative because they're just being assaulted psychically with all this stimulus. And there's no way that this can be good for them on any level, spiritually, psychologically, otherwise. So I started looking more into Urbit, I want to say like a year ago, maybe a little bit longer. Um, and honestly, like... One of you, the first conversations we ever had yeah, was literally. you showing Urbit to me yeah, was, and <laughs> making those into my, the podcast and I showed yeah. it to like my, col- like my, my classmates was, and they were all like, what the fuck is this? It was like, literally like, I want to say like, yeah, like late 2020, early 2021. No, no, it was early 2021. Early 2021. When we was first, like, like one of our March, first conversations February? that we ever had was about Urbit. And it was like, I'd been pilled a lot because of you, obviously. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, like I was just like, hey, this might sound crazy, but check this out. There's this thing called Urbit and you should like, you should listen to it, listen to these podcasts. And um, it was like the Understanding Urbit series. And I was super crazy about it for whatever reason i just i guess i was like really fed up after i realized the shortcomings of what our current technology can offer on web 2 and just like on these like centralized platforms and the bull case for urbit was never more clear than when i saw the failings of these platforms during the pandemic so when i showed it to her it was kind of like this is crazy we should do this but i don't know how to do any of this so i'm gonna like you know just let it simmer in the background until like i feel like there's no other option but to use urbit and that kind of came more became more apparent like uh, a few months ago and i was like guys like we have to do this like there's no other choice yeah i think it was interesting because i remember back at late 2020 you were all about web 1.0 and like regressing back to that yeah and it kind of shifted to oh, web 3.0 yeah. yeah and it was I'm, like it, it makes sense it yeah. makes a lot of sense i mean like I'd that's always... interesting that's a great point what urbit is kind of a way to go into web 3 while yeah. also going retro in a way. Well, it's like the it's promise the dream of the internet. Yeah, no? like the promise of the internet, like what web, what web 1.0 kind of offered, and like I guess maybe unintentionally offered was this ability to have your own little space, carve out your own little digital world, and grow your community. You know, you had these forums that were moderated by people that had skin in the game because they loved the community and they were a part of it. Like even like 4chan, for example, is an example of that. But over time that just got subsumed by corporates uh corporate interests and like politics and other bullshit that honestly should not have any place in a lot of these communities but it did and it really restricted the ability for them to grow or develop in any meaningful way beyond like the restrictions of what they were um of what were enforced by society and so i was like okay well urbit is the solution to that. But at the time I was like, okay, I'm going to make another PHP forum. I'm going to make another like uh, IRC chat room. It's going to work. Fuck this shit. But then I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's go on Urbit. Yeah. And yeah. Fascinating. I feel like this is very closely related to what you all were saying about your larger perspective on how culture really functions. Because I think a lot of people 
are sleeping on Urbit because they're kind of like, well, there's no discovery algorithm. So why would I write on Urbit when I don't have a chance of my tweet being shown to millions of people, right? It's like everyone is playing these social media games because they're hoping that their tweet, they want their little tweet to go viral so a million people see their little tweet. And I'm as guilty of this as anyone. Like, I like that fucking clout. I try to I try to win those games and I enjoy winning those games. Um, but this is how most people think, whereas it takes a certain perspective, like the one that you have, where you're like, no, actually the real future of culture is going to be won by the people that withdraw and just make their own little pressure cooker they only operate imminently and they grow out from their own rhizome, this like radically organic, wild, uncontainable, ungovernable thing. You know, is that, am I understanding you correctly? Because I, I completely see it the same way. Absolutely. Like my, my personal dream would be for the internet to be dominated by like patchwork colonies of little groups of friends having fun, making dope shit and making money. That's it. <laughs> this is this is why like when I brought up all this like web th- my my what my thesis that I'm working on now it's really tied in it's it's basically a personal blog with web three elements and that's kind of it like I just want to like a mode of being like online. you're building it or yeah oh so you are a, a hacker hacker <laughs> well yeah. what you just said sounds I mean, I'm, pretty I'm, impressive I'm, well I'm Romanian I'm not fully a hacker like that but I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm close to it but um no it's just. Yeah, it's it's one of those like stupid things that I feel like I can I can do anything if I just watch a bunch of YouTube tutorials on it. Yeah, <laughs> Yo, you gotta learn you gotta learn Hoon and build us some sweet urban app. That's, We're I doing mean, that, no, are yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, actually we are. We're in school. So oh nice. Yeah. How's it going? Oh, uh, we just started. So yeah, like I'm trying. I'm- I haven't registered yet, but I'm going to register for the next session. I've been are watching, you? Uh, yeah, I've been watching just some of the recap videos online, just trying to get ready for that. And do yeah. you both have experience in programming, or you? I guess you mentioned um, a little PHP and stuff. Well, when you I have was the most, I would say. Yeah, I probably have the most. When I was you in do high school, too, or uh, just bare bones. Just like the front like, end, like front end for, for me. Hey, yeah. well, anyone can learn. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm I've been fucking around with Hoon too. It's it's pretty hard. It's pretty like uh, I I understand it enough that I'm like okay, I see what it, I need like six weeks of nothing else on my schedule to yeah. kind of like really focus on this. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of wild. It's kind of like uh, brain bending. It's cool to be back in school basically. Like, <laughs> yeah. right. Uh, that rhymed. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, interesting though. I, I think, I think also just like as a language, it's attempting to be so much more in so much less space than anything preceding it. And that's yeah. kind of, that's the beauty of it. It's pretty esoteric. It's like the runes, <laughs> like the yeah. runes. Literally. This, yeah. I feel like it's kind of made to appeal to the esoteric gang. Yeah. We're going to get close to like Urbit astrology very soon. Like <laughs> yeah. with the planets and the stars and the galaxy, like there's going to be a whole like Urbit zodiac system, like just like AI <laughs> online divination. I mean, I have a theory that I think I think Curtis knows very well what he what he was doing when it comes to like cult dynamics, basically. Like the way that all like of the runes, the way that all the runes have their own names, which is like an alien language. I think Curtis is a very smart guy, and he 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 kind of knew um, from the beginning that he was going to make it in a way that was going to appeal to cults. So it's like if you actually decide to start learning Hoon, you're more or less whether you want to or not, you're more or less joining a cult with a private language. And I think he's a smart guy. And I think I honestly do think that he planned this um, in a in a theoretical way, because if you think about it, it's going to differentiate uh, Hoon developers from all of the rest of the world. And once you learn a little bit, you're going to have this whole identity around it. And that's going to make you go even further and, and kind of more radically. So I, I have a little pet theory that this was absolutely planned by Curtis. That's hilarious. No, I totally agree with that. That's <laughs> That definitely seems like a concerted effort to do that. <laughs> and, and see, this is why I was so amazed that like, 
this whole like web3 thing like implementation whatever blog just you know just being online and having fun and that's it like i want to be outside of politics and not in a like in a passive sense or in a cowardly sense but i just really want to be able to say and do whatever i want on my like space right right um and i was so stunned that no one resonated with that almost in my class um and i had this little like this is from uh like Romilia <laughs> affiliated um account but it was this little screenshot uh, on web 2 was this little tiny thing about web 2 and how it's becoming inhospitable and you know this is like the migration of web 2 and it's going to be an exile of people building their own like subterranean networks um and this whole parallel about you know you live in the in the town square you can get cut down by the magistrate anytime but you live in the forest and you build your own temple you're fine and it had this fucking line in it and where is this that you're finding this uh it's uh from uh do you know i don't know if you know this account it's a hot dawn or um uh james lau i'm not sure it's yeah. uh it's a really yes a really guy he's but cool this is a really nice screenshot i don't know if i should like read the whole thing it's really it's really cool it's i kind of used it as a manifesto for you can read the whole thing if you like right, it let's go um web 2 is becoming inhospitable uh, network event horizon is impending. Good users will be forced to migrate to their own domains if they have them. This is a good thing. Renting land on some super conglomerate's UI is low time pref. If you don't own property, you are the property. Live in the town square and the magistrate can, exp uh, can expel you at any time or cut you down like a dog. But build your own temple in the woods and become immortal with an underground network of exiles. Freedom relies on self-sufficiency, relies on private ownership. This is what untethered knowledge exchange will look like in coming years. A dispersed network of web landlords exiled from commie prison platforms, forced to strike out into the wilderness, organizing through underground tunnel-linked lattices. This page is a portal and entry to this warren, a growing list of friends of the knowledge network who have begun constructing their fiefdoms. So, Based. Right. Yeah, super so Romelia gets it. Yeah. They totally get yeah. it. So yeah. So I had this like little thing on and after I finished my presentation, I just had this like one hand up and <laughs> it's this guy was like, are you a Trump supporter? And I'm like, what? <laughs> He's like, you use the word commie? And I was like, what? And I, I didn't like, even that's realize. what you took from this, I Trump? Didn't, like, I didn't this even is, realize this. that the word commie was on that, was on that screenshot. <laughs> and then the whole discussion just like degenerated into this conversation about um, people saying, oh, this is not accessible enough. I was like, what do you mean? Like having a website, just making a website is not accessible enough. What about people that don't have access to the internet? I was like, why would someone with no access to the internet care about my website? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, and then he went through like from that to the argument of like, but what about blind people that can't read? I was like, <laughs> so we shouldn't stop like printing books because pe some people can read? Like, I don't, I don't understand. And this, this was a really, really like clear pilling moment for me when I just realized like this is not like this kind of perform like performativity that you get within art institutions that are so gatekept in like the theory sense like you need to be able to crack the language and understand what the fuck anyone is talking about you have to go through arts like through art school it's an ivory tower and yet you have people that just like it'd be so much more genuine if they didn't pretend like they're doing it for the man or like some like little, you know, like ghetto neighborhood that they open a gallery in and it's for the people, like it's for the locals, but you're talking about some like conceptual Deleuzean like performative <laughs> art and you have this like insane explanation for it. And I mean, yeah, I was part of a project um, that happened in um, like this is with school and we went to this tiniest village in, in Croatia. Um, and they were dealing with a lot of stuff like they have like bear poachers and it's on a migrant route and they're facing huge issues with um, like aging population and young people leaving. And my teachers went there and was like, we need to go learn from the poor. 
and I mean, mind you, my my whole class were all like from like second and third world countries also. <laughs> so we were all like one. And then he went like, we need to sit down and discuss uh, Bruno Latour with them. <laughs> and I was like, what? Nice. Like, they barely speak English. And he was like, yeah, we need to bring Bruno Latour to them. <laughs> I was like, what? Is your professor? Yeah, of oh, that's hilarious. obviously he's a professor. Nice. Um, yeah, um, tenure professor at that. But still, like, it's just, it was hilarious to me that he just did not understand. That's a great an- anecdote. But, like, yeah, he did not get it. And like, I mean, he's like, oh, we need to go learn from the poor. And like, meanwhile, I'm sitting next to this girl from like Siberia. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like- <laughs> so, okay. So, Vincent, you mentioned money before. And I asked you guys at the Urban Meetup, I was just talking with a few of you. And I was asking like, so are you guys... Is is end project? Is it a label? Is it a corporation? Is it a DAO? Like what? How, what? What are you exactly? And you were all very emphatic and immediate in saying like, no, we're not a business. We're not a corporation. It's not a label. And generally, I get the vibe from you all that you pretty genuinely don't care about money. Uh, at, at, but on the other hand, you all seem like you do have a shared mental model around. You know, you're you are ambitious. You it seems like you're all ambitious and you do want to. Um, you know, build something that's big and 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 that matters. So, how do you think about money? How do you think about how are you interpreting Web three? Uh, and and how do you how are you as a collective um, planning to navigate these new crypto rails and these different patterns that we're seeing in art and culture? Yeah. So, I think that when it comes to like financial success, it's just kind of like a consequence of doing things that you like and that people also like. Um, totally we're agreed but how do you like start building financial infrastructure in a way that is authentic and genuine and worthwhile and successful yeah so basically to that like first we have to be able to produce these things on our own like for example music production it's costly but if you can find a way to do these things in-house suddenly it's completely free except for the time that you spend doing it and you can leverage that to record labels or whoever and say, hey, if you pay me this amount to do this, I'll give you this percentage of stake in this for however many years or whatever. And then like, you don't have to sell your rights, but you get money out of doing that, that you don't have to pay back necessarily at all. And so there are these like models of striking deals with um, independents or record labels or what have you that we're actually applying to Omerta as like, I guess like the first test case of it. And like our own lawyer was like, I've never seen a deal like this before, but it's crazy. Like it's really, and you're basically to saying band. to get paid, but without like strings attached. Right. Basically. Exactly. <laughs> and there's a way to do it. And like, this is just one way that you can do it as a band. And like, for example, for my own solo music, like I've been signed to Universal for going on like seven years now, but at the and same time, you, so you still are. Technically, I am, but I actually spoke with my lawyer, and there's a way that I can get out of the deal, and they agreed to the terms because there's no way that they can keep me on it. Um, if I just give them two songs, I'm completely free to do whatever I want after that. But the trade-off is I won't be able to use their resources, right? But at that point in time, because we've already built and established this network and this model about doing things, we don't need to have that kind of support. And we have the technology, we have the skills, we have the tooling to do it ourselves. And, you know, we're also getting involved in, like, other ways to develop and produce content, whether that's um, having shows on, like, online through live-streamed events or even, like, in person and syncing them up. Um, These are ways that we're trying to engage with, like we don't like the metaverse in like in general, but I think there's something cool to the idea of having like this experience on a strictly digital space. But I don't think that the answer to that or the solution to that is going to be by emulating the physical and the digital. There are different things that the metaverse or whatever can offer 
as like um, something that you can't achieve physically. As its own thing. Yeah, as its own thing. But in order to fully explore that, we have to kind of use ourselves as like the guinea pigs and do these things. And that's another, that's literally just another way to make money. Like throwing local shows, we have one coming up in like late June. We'll also garner a lot of money with merch and whatnot. But then having that parallel through whatever we can offer through like, you know, whether that's free NFTs or whatever, like providing value to the community and showing them that they don't need to actually put forth any like forward investment into it, but also get a kickback from like whatever our, whatever success we see from it will incentivize them to participate, participate more in what we're doing. And eventually, you know, maybe we'll do some cool NFT shit, no grift stuff, obviously, but um, maybe we can engage more in like merch production and have that all in house DIY, which is how it currently is. And it's, it's getting difficult. I think Justin can more or less. Yeah. We've been handling all the business stuff, music production stuff, merch stuff in house. Um, it's just difficult just I guess on economies of scale level where it's just the workload is getting to be so much where we need like outside help or financial resources at this point is where most people turn to like labels or merch production companies but we don't want to do that we want to keep what's ours for ourselves you know and like take control of our assets and our financial resources right and so what do you think I mean are you, I'm sure you're seeing people who are making a lot of money by doing an NFT site like right or you or you could do a token or like there are all these different kind of innovative patterns that that a group such as yours could use to a raise a bunch of cash quick and b get some of that incentive alignment that you're talking about if 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 you get your fans to like hold some kind of asset that has a share in that value so i'm just curious you know uh are you thinking about that are you or 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 do you have reasons for not wanting to fuck with that right now i think there's potential in it but yeah yeah I think it's just, uh, I think it's going, this is one of the Web3 tools that we were talking about that we can totally use. Um, We just are still trying to fit it into our worldview correctly, basically. Um, I think it's an extremely viable um, resource to to utilize. It's, but I also, I just kind of want to push it further and just move from just emulating um, the art market and just putting on one three like it's just gimmicky like it, it, it yeah. does nothing for it They're, which totally. is why like Vermilia and all these other projects are so interesting and cool because they are pushing the envelope and they are creating like cultural um like cultural trends and vibe shifts, they're, basically. Yeah, they're they're really subverting a lot of the expectations that people have around NFTs, and I feel like that kind Romilia of Amelia, you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So you all you fuck with my ladies, then? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. And it's like yeah. it's you know they're being true to themselves, like they're doing this really new metal thing where they just don't care about what's going on, like about like apes or whatever else. Like, well, they're like legit crypto anarchists, is my interpretation. Yeah, yeah, right? oh, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like this is this is kind of it, and it's it's funny because just by like our aesthetic associations, we've already been like lumped in with like the Avant NFT crowd. Like there was this like super thread about like Avant NFTs and like my work that I've done for like Unproject or like myself in relation to Unproject ended up there. And it's really cool because like I've not done any NFTs yet, but that's that's our direction. And that's people like these are attracted to each other. I think. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of, I share kind of your caution. I'm kind of the same as you folks. Like I haven't done any big token project myself or anything yet, in part because I'm just like watching and I'm learning and I, I, I don't I I'm also very like cautious about not wanting to rush into things i don't want to be seen as a grifter and i just try to do everything very thoughtfully and and carefully so i i kind of share some of your your caution uh on the other hand i'm also kind of like 
you know, very excited by all this. Like I just actually a couple days ago for, I, I, uh, spun up a syndicate DAO on the, the platform called syndicate DAO. It's like syndicate.io. It's just like this set of, of smart contracts basically that lets a bunch of people in a group who are friends, uh, throw in money and then you can invest in things as a group. And I did this specifically because I wanted to buy more Miladies and I, they was getting too expensive. So I was like, um, I had already spent more of my own money on Miladies than my wife would like tolerate. So I was like, all right, this is a great use case. Um, and, and so I actually just a few days ago formed a syndicate and this is basically, it's like an Urbit focused syndicate. So me and a bunch of people in my networks, we just basically threw in a couple ETH, each of us. And so now we have this like little pile of money, which is like not that little anymore. And uh, we're going to focus on basically just investing in Urbit adjacent token projects, basically. Yeah, because invest- I, yeah, because I, I do basically think that these, these technologies, although the patterns will have to be experimented with and figured out over time, it does seem to me that like something here is a, a, is a truly kind of world historical revolutionary unlock of value and community alignment. Um, and I got, I just kind of got tired of like waiting and like thinking and being cautious. And I was like, all right, let's just start like fucking around because it seems like the world is being taken by people that are just willing to fuck around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like this is the this is the the aspect of like in which we are like accelerationists, I think, because if it's not us, it's going to be someone else. So why not us? Why not now? Essentially. Yeah. And you said the thing about like um, we want to keep our things to ourselves. Um, we also want people like it's the whole like um, viral public license mindset, right? Like we want people to. To steal our shit, we want people to to bootleg our merch. We want people to do their own thing and just look at what we do. Steal and our music, yeah, I literally, yeah, like just torn it. Like I don't like yeah, take yeah. it away. Burn I don't it. care. Give it to your friends. Use it, <laughs> yeah. If this is like inspiring enough for someone to like copy it or for someone to use it and make their own thing out of it, like by all means, like I think this is furthering. And did you guys have any contacts with Urbit people before you moved on, or were you like totally just kind of like outsiders who just decided to move into Urbit? Um, I know some people that used Urbit, but I didn't know too many. They weren't like holding your hand, pulling <laughs> no, you on to the no, network? not at all. Because this is interesting because I think like you folks kind of have a real opportunity in a way to, because you're one of the first, no, you know, there are lots of like art and culture groups on Urbit, but a lot of those people are, you know, they've kind of been in, into Urbit since the old days or they're kind of, they're more programmers or engineers types of groups who have a kind of, uh, pre-existing predilection for like esoteric technology or whatever, you know, like you guys are kind of in this new wave of people who are not into Urbit for like the esoteric, you know, programming aspects, but you're actually like doing your own thing, your own art and culture thing. And you're just into Urbit because of its actual affordances as a social network, basically. So I think you guys have a real opportunity, basically, is what I'm getting at to, to kind of like pave the way for how an uh, an art and music collective or how any kind of collective can move to Urbit without necessarily knowing anyone on Urbit. Like you're not in the, you're not in the core networks of Urbit. You can just move on to Urbit and build something badass and powerful. And I think there's going to be a lot of people like watching you basically people who are, you know, invested in the Urbit network. Um, so it's, it's cool. Cause I think you have like a real opportunity. Yeah. I, I just want to give a quick shout out to my friend, uh, Reed. Um, I think his, uh, Pat P is, a. Uh, Hatred, uh, hatred. Oh, yeah. hatred. Yeah. How did Love you get hooked up with him? 
Um, that's was, a network subject uh, yeah. website. Love he, him. Yeah, yeah, you can find him in my uh, Urbit group. Yeah, yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, no, um, I was literally just using his guide to get onto Urbit, and I was like, "Fuck, I want to find a way to host my Urbit for free, but on a cloud host." And he had the perfect guide for the Oracle Cloud um, Urbit thing, and I was just like, "All right." This is cool. And I was like, damn, I'm a little stuck on this one part of it. So I went on Urbit by chance using um, a digital ocean droplet. And I was like, hey, how do I use the Oracle Cloud thing? And he helped me get on. And I thought we'd just been talking. He's super cool. Um, but yeah. He we is hung cool. out. He's hung out. Yeah, we hung Absolutely. out with him at uh, Austin at the meetup. Yeah, you saw him. Yeah, yeah. he's yeah. cool. He's, exactly. he, he drives yeah. up sometimes for yeah. things here. Yeah, he, he's super cool. He's OG Urbit kind of guy. Who oh, yeah, he's Urbit he's definitely yet. OG. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who, who was that that said that like, Urbit is like Web 6 or Web yeah. 5? I don't, I don't remember, remember who that was, yeah, but uh, it's basically, we want to be outside of institutions. We want to be outside of... And like, I mean, Web2 is an institution. It's outside of the corporation. So of course, Urbit makes sense. I mean, I think even if you don't believe in Urbit, as like as a platform or as a new mode of computing something's going to happen web 2 all the uh, like the the current state of networking right now is obsolete it's not even like it's becoming obsolete it's just it's done it's already dead it's yeah. game over yeah, yeah. that's it, how i think about yeah, it exactly yeah. and like if if not now it's going to happen and so if it's inevitable why not start building now and that's kind of like our mentality going into it. it's just guns blazing you know throwing caution to the wind fuck it let's move 400 people or however many thousands more onto urbit because the thing about it and i guess what i wanted to say um at the beginning regarding the urbit thing is our community is not tech savvy like we come at it from a completely different side of like art and music and whatnot these people are interested in these things like they might have some background in theory shit or music or art or whatever but as far as technology goes they have no idea what any of this shit is. And so we're kind of utilizing end project as like the guinea pig for that. And through that, actually I'm, I'm using um, Reed's uh, guide and like talking with him some more and also just like using the like onboarding like members from our discord server and other things to, as like a trial run and seeing like what can be optimized and like what needs more help and like what people who aren't tech savvy would need more clarification about. And, um, eventually like I'd like for there to be like a very clear streamlined way of getting online that is easy, accessible, whatever, because really the biggest barrier to Urbit is literally just getting online. Well, it's pretty easy now. How are you having people on? Are you giving them like layer two invitation links yeah. and then putting them on port app? Well, or? the thing is like, it is easy if you use port, yeah. but most of the people that want to use Urbit, like as in like the less tech savvy people, they're not on their computers all the time. So they don't want to use it on their computer. They want to use it on their phone. And that's right. the tricky part. And they don't want to have their computer on all the time. So right. they'd rather have it be hosted on like a cloud server. So is that what you're urging people to do is to get the yeah. digital ocean or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. And like there's that, that is much more a pain in the ass. It is. I see yeah. what I do. Cause I'm, I give out free planets to anyone who asks basically, and you're welcome to use that if you ever want to give that to people. But, um, at imperceptible.computer. And what I do for that onboarding ramp is I give them the L2 invitation link and then I urge them to use port just because it's so quick and it's so easy. And for nine out of 10 cases, it's just they're in, they're on the network in like less than five minutes. Yeah. And it just gets them that kind of like act, it gets them that 
kind of like success where they're like, oh, this isn't that bad at all. And it's like, yeah, if you want to get it on your phone, you want these other things, like you can do that later. It takes, yeah, it takes a little bit of work yeah, now. I mean, yeah, that, that's what we kind of have to do. Like we need to streamline it to fit the people that we want to get on there. I mean, like it's crazy that I'm like we're out here like teaching like kids how to torrent because to yeah. me, like that was such a basic thing. Like, of course you wanted to torrent. Like you wanted to be able to get all these things outside of having to pay or like, I mean, I don't know. It's just, right. on, I think quick. a lot of this was lost. <clears throat> I feel like one this is kind of like tangential, but one big way to distinguish like the millennials and like zoomer generation is just how well they know their computer, the ins <laughs> and outs of it. Like, I feel like a lot of like the uh, older zoomers, like younger millennials were kind of forced to like searching through forums and blogs on how to like fix right. very basic things about their computer. And a lot of like younger people, they're literally just on their phone. They don't, they've never, some of them have never used a computer, like a <laughs> laptop or desktop. Interesting. And so like, Again, like like I was saying earlier, it's just these people are the ones that want to be on Urbit on their phone. And they're also the ones that, in my personal opinion, will be the ones to truly make Urbit as widely adopted as it could possibly be. And as like as much of a force in culture as its potential would allow for it to be. Because they're the ones on TikTok. They're the ones on Twitter. They're the ones right. spending all their time online. But they're just not doing it on the right platform. But if you can find a way to make that platform more accessible to them, they can be on their phone spending their time doing whatever, but they'll have a better relationship with the internet and networking, but also they'll be spending their time on Urbit instead because it's worked, dude. Like there are kids on our discord server that have used Urbit, like, I don't know, like nonstop since they were onboarded after like a day. It's really? Crazy. So you are getting people on yeah. Yeah, Urbit we, yeah, and yeah. it's working. Of course. And are they getting it on their phone or? Yeah, they're getting it on their phone. And how? They're they're getting it hosted <laughs> on like a digital ocean droplet? Um, they're mostly using Oracle Cloud at the moment. Um, droplets are a little trickier because again, like a lot of these kids, they're not like they don't have credit cards. But the Oracle Cloud, that, that's like a fair bit of work, right? It's like not yeah. super easy, but some people are figuring it out. Well, I'm I'm actually He's figuring it out yeah. for them. You're doing it. For, you're literally doing it for them. I'm, I'm literally I'm literally doing any desk and just like going into their computer and just saying like, all right, let's let's do this. Follow my instructions. And when they get to a hiccup in the road, I'm just like, all right, give me that shit. Let me see what I can okay, do. Okay, nice. And I respect that, I respect the hustle. Yeah, through that I've been like logging like all the problems and seeing like what we can optimize and what we can like make a little bit more efficient. And then the next person gets on board, it's a lot smoother. I literally like I think my record onboarding was like onto like an Oracle cloud host was like 10 minutes and you can like, do it in 10 minutes, 10 minutes. Yeah. Interesting. It, was, it was really fast. And what does it cost to hold that for per month? It's free. It's entirely free. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So the only problem, and this is the biggest problem with Oracle cloud and most of these like cloud hosting services, they want you to verify that you're a person or whatever by using your credit card or debit card. And a lot of these kids like they don't have credit cards <laughs> yeah. so they're like oh my mom's gonna kill me if i use this <laughs> and so what they do is they charge you a dollar and then they refund you the dollar immediately right. after but because they can't use that i've been like use my use my credit card and it's fine nice yeah, so, it's like the company card now we gotta make a yeah. project card but what actually happened was uh oracle reached out and was like hey you can't keep doing this because like they they perceived it as me making new accounts right through oracle so um, we've been looking for alternatives to that and yeah, we'll okay. get there. D yeah. Well, this is something we're working on. Like with people here in Austin, there are, it's a big community effort in Urbit to get more hosting providers that can do this really quick, really cheap, really easy, like one click hosting. Like that, that's basically what we need is we need a hosting service that can do anyone just one click. You get a hosted planet. You could fire it up on your phone in no time. So a lot of people realize this is a big need and there's a lot of uh, work being done on it. So we're going to get that. I think I would bet you within a year you're going to have that. But uh, but you know, mad respect to you for doing that, doing that work. Um, that, that's cool, man.
Yeah, you'll make his life a lot easier. <laughs> See, like, what I think is really interesting, too, is that all these kids that have not had much contact with, like, computer or, like, the internet, like, having to learn your own thing. And, like, even if I'm, like, still, like, theoretical, like, Zoomer category, because I was in Romania, I think I just had a lot of technology, like, just backed up, so it took a long time to get onto things. Um, I, what I find super interesting is that this is kind of their gateway into looking at computer stuff. Like, they're all kind of becoming, like, lame now. They're just, like... I mean, like, hardware and stuff, it's fascinating. It's cool. It's cool to, like, it be able to... Cool. Co- like when you start cool. When you start fucking around with exactly. it, you're kind of like, oh, you mean I can... I can- I can change these like core fundamentals of how my computer operates. Whoa. Understanding like the the language of code and how like how cool it is to be able to like just use set terms to structure and make something new out of it. Like that's really cool. And a lot of them have not had that. Like they have not had like the MMO like experience or like the the personal blog experience of like editing your own thing and like making it snow when it's Christmas or like putting your music on that just you cannot stop. They missed out on MySpace and HTML. I I missed out on MySpace. (laughs) Yeah, I mean like to that I also feel like they their first experience with like a sovereign like entity like like a self-sovereign entity online is urbit and the moment they've had a taste of that they can't go back it's Hell yeah. it's hilarious like that's cool they're they're like oh my god i can change this i can do what i can i can I mean, say this yeah like yeah and it's yeah. it's it's so sick because it's like for once in their lives they're viewing themselves as an entity independent of any sort of restriction and just full expression to do whatever they want to create their own little world. And it, like I said earlier, it's like, it's no longer client server. It's server server. It's peer to peer. It's you are your own entity. Do what, do whatever you want. This is yours. It's your world. And this is not just for urban. This is like how we kind of view end project and the people that fuck with us. And I mean like fans and whatever, like it's not really this. It's not artist fan. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that. Right. We're peers. Peers. Hell yeah. Yeah. We're peers. Server to server. Yeah. Yeah. Server to server. Exactly. Like, like I fucking hate the idea that these people would even consider themselves like beneath you, the creator, because you're the one that provides them content that they're interested in. Like I want people to be able to look at end project and be like, that's dope. I want to do that and do it like you can yeah. the tools are there and we'll help you dude i love it I, and it's it's hilarious because i never met I, know, I don't know any of you guys i didn't know any of you until we talked at the uh meetup i, I think i followed you on instagram i think we, we chatted briefly yeah. on instagram about urbit um but i didn't know anything about you guys or what you think or whatever and it's hilarious how much of what you say about your project is the same exact attitude that I have towards my own work and my own domain and my own discipline or whatever. It's a lot of the same attitudes that I have. And I think urban is just a big attractor for that type of person who sees this really long-term way of, of building culture. And that's why I'm so fucking bullish on urban because yeah. yeah. I'm like, urban is going to pull all the people like us and we're going to fucking own yeah. everything. Basically. I mean, yeah. it's and inevitable. It's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, it's so cool that it's like actively being worked on, like making it more accessible and making it more adoptable and like on like a less and less and less technical scale on a less and less and less like gatekeepy way. It's just literally like it's only going to work if more people get on it, basically. Yeah. Hell we yeah. To, we have to get the normies on. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Well, well, you're doing the Lord's work and uh, <laughs> uh, achieving that. So it's, hell it's, yeah. Yeah. We better be because that's our face. Like only God can cancel us. That's kind of it. <laughs> you can just. I love like, it. I think can, that might be the title for the podcast. Uh, <laughs> like you good. cannot get canceled unless you let it happen to you. That's beautiful. <laughs> that's beautiful. Close your eyes. Close your. Well, hey, I don't want to yeah. take up too much more of your time. I feel like we covered a lot of ground. This was really fun and interesting. Was there anything we didn't cover that you want to kind of get onto the agenda or. Was that basically summarizes it all? 
Um, maybe the physical thing. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, definitely t- say a few words about like how people can find you or what you want people to check out uh, other than the Urban Group, obviously. Oh, I, yeah. I will, uh, by the way, I'll add your group to my, I have like a featured groups channel in my in my group. That's awesome. Uh, and I believe I have the fastest growing group on the network right now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> not, not bragging, but hey, I, it's, yeah. it's true. Uh, and I have, I have a few sections for different groups that I feature and I'll, uh, one of them is like artists and creators or whatever. And I'll put, I'll add you. To That's that. awesome. Yeah. Thank, you. Thank you. Next to wet yeah. brain and Romelia. Yeah. Uh, you're number three now, I think. Awesome. Yeah. Sure. yeah um, I guess like one last thing I, I think we all want to touch on is just like the, um, like the relationship between the physical and the digital and like what we're trying to achieve. Like earlier, I think I touched on the fact that like I, I have my reservations about the metaverse or whatever the fuck. Um, I really think there is potential in that, like this sort of like, you know, parallel to our universe that is continuous and whatever. And you can, um, aggregate all these different identities and like this digital property into one thing. But at the same time, like, I just don't think that that way of viewing it is going to be in any way, like, less grifty than what is currently existing. So, like, part of what we're trying to achieve is by um, demonstrating through our own works how you can truly optimize the physical for the digital and vice versa, rather than trying to emulate one or the other. So what we're trying to do in, um, like in this sense is, we, for one example of our projects is called Pain Proxy, and what we're doing is trying to have these like metaverse, like virtual concerts in a way that is completely decentralized. Like, you know, music venues or whatever, they're kind of these things that people use, locals and like touring acts all over to have their shows and have their performances. And there's not really any discrimination between whether or not you're like the biggest artist or the smallest artist, depending on the venue. Mm-hmm. But that kind of a model has not yet been reflected in the digital because what they're trying to do is bring on all the biggest acts and all the biggest artists in their like, you know, $100 a ticket uh, live streamed events. And it's so grifty. It's so unfriendly to new upcoming artists that just literally just want to share their shit. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to find ways to mitigate that experience, but also like find ways using digital assets that would make it more fun and also provide a value incentive to the people that would come onto it. So that's one way that we're choosing to use our platform and like whatever clout we have to engage with um, music listeners and artists alike. Um, but things like that, you know, just, awesome. and then like bringing that into the real world, like having pain proxy physical shows, like anyone can do it. If you have 20 listeners, you have 2000 listeners, 200,000 listeners come out only like metal or what is, no, the, no, absolutely not. How do you think about that? Like who's what, like if someone's listening to this, like who's welcome or who should be checking I this out? I wouldn't even call Anybody. them right metal. Yeah. Omerta's, like, I think they're, I don't know. I mean, the new, like the, the, we need yeah. to like the new stuff. So like in a very vague sense, they're rock. But like, if you want to get into like technical terms, I don't know, like jazz like so just like anyone listening who is interested in what you're talking about is welcome to come check check it out messages i mean come on like the core of our the core of our belief is new metal that's the foundation for sure do whatever you want this strategy play a show you know like (laughs) hit us up yeah. And we're all about mixed genre shit. Like. Yeah, we're all about mixed everything. Yeah, okay, it's awesome. a mixed race and it's whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Well, yeah. I'm gonna put I'll put links to your Herbert group in the right. in the show notes yeah. for this, and I'll put your pat piece and shit like that in the show notes. And yeah. like I told you, I'll, I'll add your group to the featured groups in my 
in the other life group, the AKA the imperceptible city. Yeah, so, um, sick. yeah, thanks for coming out. This was yeah, awesome. Thanks for having us. Yeah, really. Totally. It's a pleasure getting to know you all better. And, uh, yeah, I look forward to, you know, hanging out with you guys on the network and seeing you at more urban meetups and who knows what we'll be able to, you know, put on together in the in the texas area of course yeah, yeah. yeah we're very Dude, very very bullish on texas also yes. awesome cool yeah. thank you all this, thank that's you a, so that, much, yeah. man. that's around hey thank you so much for listening to the podcast you made it all the way to the very end so you must really like the show in that case i would be super grateful if you'd be so kind to leave a review on apple podcasts all you have to do is go to otherlife.co slash review that's otherlife.co forward slash review and it'll send you an Apple podcast. Just leave a review. You can be honest. Tell me what you really think. I'd really appreciate it because it'll help other people find the show. And I'm really trying to grow out the podcast. So thanks for listening. And thank you for leaving a review. I really appreciate it.